Hello and welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I am joined with Alexander and Dimitri to talk about the power of empathy within tech leadership. As usual, we'll start off with a round of introductions. Hans, are you okay to go first? Yeah, of course. Uh, so my name is Hans Sandstrom. I work for a company called Instabee, which is a uh, symbiosis of Instabox and Budbee. Uh, my role there is engineering manager. And uh, yeah, I mean, I really enjoy building teams and making sure that teams can work without me. And my, my goal is to make them make sure they don't need me, but they can function really strongly themselves so that I can uh, like spend all my time for my other passion, which is skiing. Incredible. That sounds lovely. Um, I'd love to be able to ski. Um, and then if we move around, Alexander, are you okay to give yourself an introduction? Absolutely. Hi, I'm Alexander. I work as a project leader for a company called QD here in Sweden. I recently changed companies. I've just started this work last Friday, actually. So it's quite new to me, this company, at least. Um, otherwise, um, I really enjoy with my work uh, because... I get to help customers keep developing their businesses and different project models and uh, just to be able to help out my colleagues in another way than uh, I'm able to do as a technician before. Um, I have a few passions in life in general. I like hiking, I like being out with nature and just being able to spend time with family and friends. That's uh, lovely. Thank you for that. And then Dimitri? Uh, thanks. Uh, I'm Dimitri Bassan. I'm an engineering manager at Klarna. I lead and mentor cross-functional teams across different, uh, different industries, such as uh, hospitality, web finance, analytics and payments. Uh, I have a managed bench for traveling and cars and the part of it focus on grow my skills in business, economics and psychology. Perfect. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you for those introductions, everybody. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. So now what we will do is we'll move forward into the actual juicy part of the podcast. Um, We've all prepared a question or subtopic previously uh, ahead of the podcast. So what we'll do is we'll take it in terms to introduce those questions or the subtopics and then share all of our opinions and thoughts around these areas. Um, Hans, I'm going to come back to you for your question, please. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, So what I'm curious on is the question of how we can be emotionally present in uh, our meetings and interactions uh, with people we work with. Uh, basically, this is stemming from uh, the thing that you might have a stacked schedule with back-to-back meetings, maybe back-to-back one-to-ones, a lot to process on these calls, and you have a, a Slack messages pinging around you, or there are other instant messaging tools available uh, that that you might uh, also have pressing down, uh, or like people uh, interacting with you by the coffee machine and whatnot. All this information to process. How can you sort of store that away and be emotionally present with the person you talk to? 
uh, and make sure that that you're actually spending your time where it's where it's due to be spent, not just physically but also emotionally. Amazing, Alexander. Do you want to go first for your thoughts? Absolutely. Uh, so my take on this is more of uh, maybe start implementing working around um, uh, implementing uh, you look through your email once a day or twice a day and uh, maybe start um, implementing more of a tight schedule when you're replying when you're off teams for example and uh, try to be in the present moment basically Um, that's basically my take on this question and um I think it's uh, really important to, because of COVID and all of this, all the remote working, um, I think it's good to be try to be back at office to actually have face-to-face meetings as well and try to interact with people that way. Uh, because I recently got back to the office uh, for at least 50% of my time. And um, I have felt that my, my teams, my calendar and my meetings aren't as uh, back-to-back as they used to be. No, that's really interesting. Dimitri, what do you think? I think that we need to start to build the personal relationship apart. Is it remote or not remote? Well, because in terms of uh, working policies allowed in many companies around the world, you can work together with another team in the Singapore and you are based in Berlin. And it also means that you need to build this emotional presence in iteration with them and not only with colleagues in your office. You need to understand also different of cultures, different ways of work, how things handling in different countries, different cultures, and build this empathy feeling for everyone a part of your circle not only inside the team. Okay, no, I like that. Uh, Hans, back on to you. Yeah, no, I think those are, are, are really uh, really good, uh, good thoughts and ideas because uh, as a leader, you try to, to do do many things. You try to be available uh, to people uh, for things that are not planned and then you try to, to take on the calls and the chores that you should. Uh, so it's all about combining these, I think. Uh, but uh, as, as far as I see it, I see a lot of value in being in the meetings that you're in, um, and then maybe, as you said, Alexander, then to to shorten to shorten the uh, the slots so that there is a bit of space in between. The problem I see practically is that you try to end a meeting with someone who has a lot to talk about. That might not always work, and then you're you're late into the next one, even though you planned a bit of uh, cushion in between. So I mean. That is that is the struggle. I mean, it's one thing to do that, and even if you, if you manage. Uh, do you guys have any any way or like uh, process to try to reset uh, for each meeting? I mean, I have a few things that I do myself, but I'm curious to hear what what you what you guys do to try to come in fresh for a meeting. From my side, I can answer that for this, I try to book a buffer time yeah. to ensure that I can refresh, I can take rest, or if it's too important meeting and we have tons to discuss, we still have this time and I will be right. Uh, personally, uh, apart of uh, routine meetings like standards, planning, any uh, stakeholders meetings, I'm not a fan moving meetings as one-to-one. Because when you have stick one-to-one meeting to one time and not moving it from, you know, during the day or during the week, you have possibility to build a habit 
that it's time dedicated so you're building this connection. Alexander, what do you think? No, I, I usually do the same thing. I'm uh, trying to prioritize, to be able to reflect on what's been said uh, during the meetings and uh, what I need to take from it and prioritize it. Um, but I usually use a buffer um, all, as well in my calendar that I usually, for a 30-minute meeting, I usually book one hour. And that not might be time effective per se, but uh, at least it helps me to prioritize and try to structure up for the next part. If I'm meeting a customer, stakeholder, whatever, um, I believe my interactions and my um, being uh, being able to be there in the present, uh, it's yeah, much more high quality. I think that makes makes a lot of sense what you what you're both saying again and. Uh... I mean, it's that's uh, it's giving yourself the possibility of doing so. Uh, but I'm also into sort of a few personal ceremonies where you know go you go to the coffee machine to get some coffee. Maybe you chit chat with some people and uh, talk about like something very rudimentary. For me, that helps uh, because otherwise you have the last meeting in your head. When you go into the next meeting, you think of solutions to that that was discussed, and it takes five minutes to to come into the next one. I think this was way worse during Corona. Now that we're back in hybrid model and you sometimes are in the office, it to, in my in my world at least, it makes it simpler to uh, to be present because you have time to to do the or you have to actually move physically, and it helps to mentally reset. Demetria. Well, thanks. I have a question. It's very important what you manage that in the hybrid mode you have possibility to move physically to chat with someone, go to coffee machine in the office. How did you handle this problem during the COVID time while it was removed first post? What is your yeah, experience? Yeah, I think that, that that's a good question. I did a lot of walks and talks with with team members uh, to physically move outside the house and also like change perspective on those calls. Uh, and then uh, my wife and I, we had these uh, uh, sort of... Uh, work figures that we were like trying to beat colleagues but we had like a cold morning coffee and an afternoon coffee together in the sort of uh kitchen aka lunch room <laughs> which was very silly but we were like we can't talk work we can't talk about anything we just had to talk about like stupid things like uh you normally talk about in the office like uh things that 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 would allow you to reset and i think that helped a bit so I try to have these things that usually involve coffee in some, some way, shape, or form. It's amazing experience. Felix. Alex? Yes. No, I have a take on that as well. Because uh, usually in my um, old company uh, during COVID, we, we used to handle this because uh, I was basically alone in my apartment during COVID. So we booked up this meeting during lunch times where the whole team sits together camera was a mandatory and uh, sometimes um, we usually went out for a walk of coffee in the morning if we were too many people as well just trying to be a little bit active as well uh, during this pandemic yeah i like that um just for this is not on the pandemic um, hands but on just a diff- something we do here which is completely different we're not tech based so you guys might struggle with it um but some of our meetings if they are important or you need to really focus so like our stand-ups in the morning you're not allowed to bring your laptops you can only bring pen and paper um that way you can't be doing other tasks because 
everyone can see like what you're doing um, and check like kind of you know you're not playing like games it. or scrolling through Facebook um, so that, that's what we do I like it and I think this is a, this is a very good thing especially in the hybrid environment as well uh, because when you are remote and everyone else is in the office you have a bit of a pressure on you to to maybe uh, it's like a um, invisible gun in a way like you feel like oh I'm remote I need to reply quickly so they know I'm working kind of situation which is detrimental uh, to everything because you're not spending uh, time in, in the meeting you're in. So I think uh, having some meetings where you're actually not not allowed to do that, uh, I think the, that makes sense uh, when you're in, a, in an office. The remote first equivalent is pausing your, uh, your notifications, like I'm doing for this meeting, for instance, and then uh, maximizing the window of, of this, the chat as simple things but stopping your brain from, oh, wonder what this window is moving over here for, or somebody wrote to me. Like those things make you lose yourself in, in the in the thing, and it makes it hard to follow follow along. Definitely, definitely, no, great. And um, any last thoughts on that that question before we move on? No, wonderful. It's been a definite. Oh, sorry, Dimitri. Yeah, I would like to add that it uh, definitely works in uh, teams that place it in one city, in one uh, company. I mean, in terms of the location. But when it's a different location inside of one team, it's coming to be a, a bit more hard. But still, it's possible, like game session or any chat that you can do together. Definitely, definitely. It, it definitely is difficult. It's a really good question, Hans. Um, and I'm sure it's one that we've all, not all nailed yet. Uh, so, no, great to hear other, what other people do. Um, if we move over to Alexander's question, is that okay? Absolutely. So I have a question for you guys that um, I've been uh, struggling a little bit with. It's that um, where is the line between sharing and open up uh, emotionally to a colleague or an employee uh, and not doing that enough and while trying to maintain an objective view of a situation that might come up uh, during a project or a work conflict or um, something like this in that part. Uh, for me personally, uh, when I've got emotionally connected to an employee or a colleague, it's sometimes been very hard to trying to keep an objective view over the situation that is happening during your work. Definitely, and I agree with you. And uh, mostly, I would also add that uh, taking a huge part of emotional connection, opening too much, can fail you to give objective and true negative feedback. When you're too connected, when you are feels like friends, then you can emotionally describe the problem because you don't want to make this person upset. You don't want to go to the negative side. You're trying to uh, move uh, around the circle. And this is definitely uh, a big problem. Yes, and um, I feel like most of the time um, it's been uh, hard to... If you shut off too much as well, that you're not uh, really getting this work culture, um, good uh, vibe in the office, basically... But uh, yeah, recently, uh, recently, as you mentioned, uh, taking, uh, for example, constructive criticism, for example, 
it's very hard to give that to a person that you're emotionally connected to, for example. Yeah. Mm. And it takes okay. tons. Yeah, no, I think that makes perfect sense. And I, I mean, and to start with, I think the, the discussion you or you guys already had on, on the subject uh, makes a lot of sense. I, what I'd like to add is, is basically that um, nobody wants to to work with a with a robot, and I mean that's also why I think people would struggle to have like an AI as a boss, even though the person would never overshare. It would always share like, oh, it was nice weather, everyone was great, like. And then try to to focus, especially remote. That would, in theory, work. But this thing that you do these sometimes mistakes. You maybe you overshare a bit. Maybe you're a bit too private. Maybe like uh, you get emotionally attached. So sometimes I think that's that's the value of it. Uh, what is ha- what you have to do and make sure though is that you you don't continuously do it. And then you recognize when when things go wrong and you or you overshare. Also, if you hold back too much and you've tried to be perfect, you never share anything. Then it's going to be even harder to share the right amount because you, when you open up the floodgates, woof, everything just comes out, and you talk about like things that, oh, I shouldn't have mentioned that. It happens to us all, I think. But I think it's important to to then uh, constantly share, like over time, uh, things, and not, not just talk about like things that are, oh, everything is good, everything is super, all good, all good, just by the coffee machine, but share things that you are annoyed with, you know, like little delays, like annoying things that you, you can all get behind. If you live in Stockholm, you can always cl- uh, like, uh, complain about Slussen project. There are things that you can always, you know, interact with and and, uh, and find some things in, especially uh, if you if you look around and try to be open. And uh, I think that that is the hard part of making sure that you, you know, that you keep doing this so that you don't overshare in just one sitting, basically. I find it easy to do. Dimitri, I definitely agree, but I also would like to mention that opening or closing, it should not affect the trust and the feeling of empathy and how you feel the person who you chat. It still should be connected that this person interested and would like to open to you on the same level. And it's a tiny difference between peers and between your reference. Yeah. Because on the peer side, it's definitely coming to be, uh, if I can, I would mention a bit more friendship environment where you can describe and even ask your advice. Because it's the peers, they have uh, the similar problem space. But regarding the reports, I would go more with empathy and trust rather than openly. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's certainly a case, and I think uh, there are exceptions or like things uh, scales to this, I guess. Uh, when it comes to if you're going through a, a really hard time, uh, something is something is happening. People react differently to to these things, and I think you should also never share more than you want to. But if the team knows that you're going through a rough patch and you have you worked with them before, just knowing that can explain that why you would normally you normally you're always on time and say you're going through something something tough in life that you may that you're maybe late that you like uh, like have a harder time controlling your emotions things like that if they don't know they, they can't sort of uh, help you with that and I think that that's uh, also makes it easier for others to know that you all don't always have to be perfect so I agree with you that you should should like try to have like a different set of conversation with your peers than your reports uh, and uh, also people that you report to. But that said, I think bigger things have to be communicated somehow. Uh, I mean, it's obviously up to, to each and everyone to know how to do so, but it's hard to keep that 
sort of perfect image always, I think. Alex? I don't think you, uh, as you mentioned, like uh, holding up this um, facade, basically the perfect image and so on. I think, I think everyone should have a little bit of holes in their armor, basically, when it comes to this stuff, because... Uh, uh, at least in my uh, professional work life, we've had situations where people go through stuff and they've actually been very communicative uh, in that regards. And uh, the team, uh, which I've always felt is that they have stepped up and taken a part of the workload, uh, helped out as much as they can, and uh, no hard feelings. But uh, I've also been with when someone go through, goes through something and they don't say anything, the, frustra- the frustration comes up within the team and they start getting frustrated. They might even complain to the manager and so on and so on. So I really think, feel like the open dialogue is uh, not mandatory, but it always helps out a lot. Amazing, lovely. Anybody else got any kind of comments on what Alex just said? I think just while everyone's getting their thoughts together, I said to Alex before this beating, I've got a manager, I'm very lucky to, who shows you her weaknesses. Like if she's having a bad day, she'll be like, today is not the day. Or she'll say, this is really stressful. And when I became a manager myself, I felt very protected in the fact that I could go to her and be like, oh, this isn't going to plan, like, what would you do here? And there was no judgment because I saw those holes in her armour that I felt connected to them, where I think other managers that I've known previously who, everything's perfect, nothing's going wrong, everything's perfect, and you see other people really struggle to connect with them when they've got a problem because they, they, they feel like they're letting someone down, which is sad, but um, so I do agree with, with with all the points here today that, you know, you have to kind of have that empathy and be honest with your team. Hans, I think you were going to say something before I started rambling. No, I was just going to say, I think this is a, 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 like an excellent question you brought up, Alex, again. And uh, I like your reflections here on the end as well, Gemma, because I think uh, it goes back to the fact that you want a person as a manager and uh, this person will... will uh, Will also have show some weaknesses. I think that gives the shows that you're it's a human person behind this, and I think that's very important. Amazing, perfect. Well, we are flying through this, um, but let's move on to Dimitri's question. I brought one question What role do we as leaders play in creating inclusive and quality safe work environment that allows our team to feel heard and understood? And well, it's definitely coming to be open question. And uh, I suppose we can reflect each other and share our experience and knowledge. And maybe not only what, but more important question, how, because it's especially how we support. And at least uh, from my side, um, I, b- I believe it's uh, very hard as a leader to uh, or uh, or I should say that um, I think as a leader you, you need to have a very stable support system uh, both at home or at work or friends or colleagues that you can even talk to and get also some other perspectives on other situations when it comes to both culturally customers work and just broaden your view basically because um, you are a trendsetter uh, as a leader, basically. People will look to you uh, to follow you and to 
build a cult, basically a culture around your examples is my take on this. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think that's uh, another really good question and it's uh, something that's always interesting to ponder on. Uh, I think the important thing is when you when you come in rather new, as I have uh, uh, been at my current company for, uh, for uh, three months now, not as new as you are, Alex, but still. Uh, and I mean, then then you have you have to show when things go wrong that you're happy that people come with with it and you have to see what's causing it because when things go wrong it's something in the process or like the way of working that's it's failing it's not the person itself because one one simple mistake uh that we all do every day shouldn't have like really fatal consequences or like dire consequences for for a production system that's the first thing, and then secondly, I mean, things will always go go down. If you're afraid of that, I think uh, you will really limit uh, people's willingness to take risks. And I think that's the most important thing in, in psychological safety. Like, you have to sort of constantly push the boundaries of a team. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't do new things. It just means like you should be safe to admit when something do go wrong, because otherwise you hide it for a very long time and it like the. The sort of outcome of the consequences would be even worse. So showing that, and then showing that it's acceptable to do a mistake, and then supporting that person as much as you can if he or she feels really bad about it. At the same time, showing like we've done a mistake now, we we shouldn't keep doing this and change the way you're working. Those two things may sound very similar, but they they differ because you should really single out how did this happen, not by seeing how could this person mess up, but how could we allow as a group this to happen. I mean, one thing that we do regularly uh, in tech companies is we do boiler uh, request reviews. Now, if something goes wrong, that makes it the team's fault if the code base is not good enough. It's not the, the individual person who commits uh, the, uh, the pull request. So one thing like that is, is very important because it also goes back then to the work process that like you shouldn't just go through emotions with uh, proving uh, commits. It should be something that you focus on, discuss, and like spend time on. So that that is a, a very very important thing to to take into account, as I see it. Definitely, I'm totally agree, and you brought really great answers to this question. From my reflection, how can I see it? It separated roles. For example, it could be coach and mentor in different situations when you need to support people on growing, like, for example, more juniors, engineers, that requires more support, more domain knowledge, and uh, you help it to put direction in the right path. And different situations when it's more senior engineers, they know how things work and how we need to do their work. But another question, how we support it, how we mentoring how we adjusted the path that it's not only fitting the direction of the company but helping them to grow personal profession and uh, support not only their hard skill but at the same time soft skill amazing definitely alex what do you think about that uh, i'm just trying to process a little sorry we're uh, on the spot a little bit sorry <laughs> no 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 <laughs> And it takes homes. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, something that uh, that happens uh, quite a lot, as I see it. I mean, uh, it is again when it when it comes to uh, to these things, I uh, I usually start with with talking to uh, to a team and seeing what they what they believe 
and themselves and what what they bring in because even though you're you're trying to to set up nice things so you have some nice values as a leader people carry things with them from before uh so uh, say, setting some sort of common baseline, like what's your expectations on, on simple matters, starting with really simple matters, uh, when should you answer a Slack message? Like what's, a, what's an acceptable outcome there? Uh, what if I rec- like recall a request for help uh, in the channel and nobody answers? I feel left out. And then you, you dig a bit d- deeper in that and you see the reason is nobody answers is your question is super wide. Something is wrong. What can I do? People go, oh, good Lord, not four o'clock i'm not gonna answer that but if you sort of see this i get a 404 in this api for this specific reason what am i doing wrong people will respond and then also making it okay to respond i hear you i'll look at it in 20 minutes or i have to go home i can't help you now we have to wait until the morning this is critical that you're allowed to respond without solving so you like take those two things away those are really practical matters, and it sounds so stupid when you say it loud, but what, what it does is starting to give the team some sort of expectations of each other, and that allows the team to sort of discuss these matters within the group and grow as a team uh, within the group. And I think, Dimitri, what you also touched upon is a very interesting thing that you shouldn't just keep training people for what they're currently doing. You just believe, yes, I'm a tester today. I will always be a tester. Tester is my destiny. That. There's nothing wrong with being a tester, but you might be like that you have other dreams and plans and ideas and, and foster for your career. So trying to sort of foster that into into the program and not saying tomorrow you'll get this promotion, but rather what steps should I take in order to be eligible for a promotion? So aligning that is somehow with a career path internally in an organization. This mouse may sound like very corporate, but you can you can like dial it down to simple things where where you sort of work on, on things, aspects like maybe you have uh, a scrum master role going around in the team, you have a support role going around in the team. So it's not just one person who does it all, all the time. Things like that, that talking with other teams shouldn't just be one representative. It shouldn't always be the team lead or if you have any such things or an engineer manager or, or principal engineer. It should be something each team member is confident of doing. Now, people have reached different levels on that and pe- some people like it, some people don't. Uh, so taking that into account as well and remembering that people you interact with and typically work with are not sort of mirror images of, of yourself. However, I think that you have to start developing skill sets from where they are at at the minute and um, acknowledging that if you have 10 years in a company, my expectations on you are different from like a new engineer. Alex, I see that you raised your virtual hand. Yes, I have. No, but a little bit of take on uh, just to switch things up basically within the team and trying to have different responsibilities. And uh, um, recently with my new company here, uh, they have these morning meetings which uh, one person in the team is responsible for. And uh, they're changing that person every day basically to try to um, include them in the team and also take responsibility and I feel that it's very important uh, not just for meetings per se but other tasks as well that uh, the team members can try to uh, well as you mentioned a tester or um, a programmer one day or whatever it might be in that case but uh, to try to uh, be able to fill out different roles and different career paths maybe and i know um, a lot of people don't get the time to to do this uh, but i feel it's necessary 
uh, for that person's development to try to be able to uh, try out different positions as well. Thank you, Alex and Hans, for the immersion reflection on this question. I I love it, and I would like to a bit summarize, maybe if if we can. Uh, I would like to tell that success leader will not only support on the developing hard skills and supported on the career progression, but also supporting as well soft skills, understanding how the communication how to become a great mentor, how to become a great coach, how to support other teammates in the team. And when everyone inside of the team have feeling of support and they can rely on other team members, then this team is leading by success leader. I totally agree. I think that makes a lot of sense um, because otherwise it would just be like it's not that extent. It's not. It's not being part of uni still, where you only focus on on like passing courses and, and improving on that. That's that's not really what what makes the difference between uh, also a um, junior developer and a more senior one. I don't think that it's just about quality of the code. It's it's the the skills around it. I think, and uh, it may be more obvious if you look at it as a, if you pursue a consultancy career. But I think also inside uh, like uh, uh, product companies, this is sort of your impact uh, m- like becomes bigger and bigger the more senior you get because of your, your uh, ability to communicate what you do and what you work with and your ideas, basically. So making sure that you have someone to help you grow here is, is important. And the same as like if you go to the gym, you can't just start like, oh, all right, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to... Uh, squat 200 kilos when you've never been at the gym before. It's just simply not going to happen. You have to start from from scratch and developing these skills over time with progressive overload. And I think that's the same with with uh, with the soft skills, even though it's not as obvious maybe or as uh, easy to put into quotas as uh, maybe hard skills or uh, or uh, things like that. But it's important to start with this uh, with everyone you work with. I think. Amazing, lovely. Um... Well, that brings us to the end, unless anybody's got any other further thoughts of the questions today. Um, before we wrap it up, just because we do have a little bit of spare time, I wanted to ask you guys a question of if you were to inspire a new leader or a new manager who's coming into the tech the tech world um, from their team, how would what piece of advice would you give them to be empathetic? Just uh, for my take, at least, it's um, listen. Listen a lot to what the person in front of you says and uh, what the team is saying. Um, and uh, try to have as well uh, maybe an external perspective uh, into the team as well. Uh how they are doing as a group, uh, what is uh, what can be worked on, um, how can we better um, include people on, on onboarding, and how do we uh, communicate inside the group, and uh, just be open and uh, be open-minded. Dimitri? I would say trust. Sales training. Uh, you can become an empathic person in one day that you started to be engineering manager, engineering leader or other leadership position 
and you started to be like, no, it not works like this. But when you start building trust relationship between the team, and you, it's the first step to become, to be a, a party leader. Amazing. And then last but by no means least, Hans? Yeah, I think uh, Alex and Dimitri have pretty much summed it up very well with uh, with uh, ability to listen and, and, uh, and then show trust. I mean, uh, those, those two in combination is basic what it's all about. Uh, but I also add a bit of uh, reflection to that mix that you reflect on what people are, are saying uh, and try to understand how it is walking in their shoes because it's you expect something where you release like, this is how we'll do, this is our great new career framework. Why are you not happy with it? Because they haven't watched, like looked at this for the last two or three months that you have. So the reflections from, from the and when people you you show something to or like you present your new ideas to, they, they need a bit of time to, to land with that. So reflection is key here. And then to listen for, for suggestions and uh, uh, give them time to reflect and ponder and uh, not just push through things because it's simple for you. I like that. I like that too. That's really good. Really good advice from everybody there. Um, definitely, hopefully will inspire some of the people listening on how they can help their teams. But anybody else got any closing thoughts? Any last questions? No, perfect. Lovely. Well, thank you for everyone for listening today. Um, It's been such an insightful podcast. We've shared so many great ideas. And I've really loved listening to the podcast. So thank you so much to Dimitri, Alexander and Han for sharing your thoughts. If you have any follow-on questions for any of the guests today, drop us a message and I can introduce you to the guys or share your questions with them. Um, So thank you so much again for listening and thank you guys for taking part.